You're listening to the Grace Family Church Podcast. Notes for today's sermon are available by downloading the GFC Florida app. Let's go, man. Let's go, guys. Hey, welcome, everyone. We're going to keep the claps going, but we want to welcome all of our campuses and those of you that's watching online from all over the world. Let's welcome Land Lakes, Carol Wood, Temple Terrace. Keep the claps going. Come on. South Tampa, Ebor, Luz, and our Clearwater campus. Let's go. Come on, guys. We're in our fourth week of this series called The Playbook. And this weekend, we get to talk about one of my favorite things, guys. We get to talk about the playbook for marriage. And and marriage is extremely important at Grace Family Church. I mean, I'm looking at a few uh, people from different campuses, and I want to just give a shout-out, man. And when I shout-out, I need you to clap. We got Mark and Mary Munster. They've been married 39 years down at the South Tampa campus. Victor and Karina Arahita right here at our campus, 45 years. Clearwater, we got Mike and Gene Trotner, 32 years. And, and some of my favorite people in the world down at the Ebor campus, RV and Francis Brown, they've been married 45 years. And they've been pouring into our marriage for several years now. And man, I, I tell you, I just get excited about marriage. Marriage is such a good thing. Marriage is such a beautiful thing. In fact, uh, this is a picture of my wife and I, uh, Tracy. We just celebrated 29 years of marriage. That was like last week, man. Look at that. You know what I mean? Nah, man, we're cute, but we were clueless. Cute but clueless, man. We, we got married, and all we knew was that we love each other and that we wanted to be together. And if you've been married more than a month, you realize that just kind of doesn't work as your standard for staying together for 29 years. And some of that I want to share with you guys tonight. I want to share with you just some ways to win in your marriage. And I understand that when I'm talking to people about marriage, the reality of it is this. Many of us have different perspectives and ideas about marriage because marriage And people in marriage have kind of hurt some of us, man. I come from a broken home. I come from a home where my dad left when I was nine years old and my mom had to continue to raise me. And I know the effects of that separation. My wife comes from a single mom home. We understand that that union can many times affect us differently and cause us to have a perspective. Maybe you're divorced or maybe you're going through a divorce or maybe there's some infidelity or abuse in your past or any number of things. Maybe you're single right now and singles, please don't tune out. Don't tune out right now because there's something here for everyone no matter what you've gone through and for singles. Maybe what you saw in your household makes you say, nah, bro, I'm good, I'm I'm not interested in that. Or maybe you come from a church background where a pastor or a leader didn't honor his marriage. And you're like, man, it made me cause me to question my faith and understanding of the scriptures. You see, I understand that no matter where we come from, our experiences cause us to have certain ideas about marriage. You know, this is not a trick question, but I hold in my hand a hammer. And, and a hammer is a very interesting instrument, I guess you would call it. And if you've ever hit your finger with a hammer, you understand that a hammer will change your life. I mean, the pain is excruciating if you've ever hit your finger with a hammer. But you know what? A hammer can be used for some really cool things. A hammer can build seven campuses. 
where people experience the love of Jesus Christ all over the Tampa Bay area. A hammer can be used to build a home where a mother and a father provide a shelter and security for their children. A hammer can be used for, to, to build furniture that provides comfort or a bed and a sofa to provide comfort. You know, because I got hurt by a hammer, it didn't stop me from using hammers. In fact, the hammer didn't hurt me. I hurt myself by the way that I used the hammer. And the same is true of marriage. Many of us have been hurt by marriage, man. But it's not marriage that hurt us. It's the choices of the people involved in the marriage that have hurt us. And so if I had my way, I'll go back to this old movie called Men in Black. <laughs> and I would take out my little wand and I would shine it at you and I would go boop and cause you to forget every pain, every hurt, and even every understanding that you have of marriage over the next few moments. And open your heart and your mind to how God sees marriage and what God would like to do in a marriage, whether you're single whether you're seriously dating, whether you're divorced, separated, no matter where you are in life, will we just open our minds and our hearts to what God wants to say? And God created marriage in the very beginning. I mean, we see that God created the heavens and the earth and the stars and the moon and the sun and all that stuff. And in Genesis 2, he created man in his image and his likeness. And after he created man, it says this in Genesis 2.18, it said, then the Lord God said, it is good, but it's not good for man to be alone. Out of all the things that God created, everything was good except for the fact that man was alone. I will make a helper for him, and that word helper means ally. It doesn't mean helper like we think, like, come over here and help me. It means an ally, someone to come alongside you to help you achieve what God has called you to do. And then the Lord made the woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. Singles, he made the woman, and he brought her to the man. And this explains why a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined. That word is cleave, and he cleaves to his wife, and those two become one flesh. You see, God establishes something in the beginning. He said, I want a man to have a relationship with me individually. I want a woman to have a relationship with me individually. And then I want those two who have an individual relationship with me to now have a relationship with each other. And I want that eternal relationship that they have for me to be mimicked, 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 I can't even talk right now, to be emphasized in such a way that it represents the relationship that they have with me. And they, they are together until death do them part. And when they have little ones who've been cleaving to them for 18, 19, 20 years, or however long they cleave to you, that, that couple would do marriage so well that those little ones would say, I'm going to leave this and go and cleave for myself. And it, and it got me to thinking about how my marriage to my wife affects the next generation. You see, God, God instituted marriage to make his name great, to create little Christ bearers that will carry his name to the generations. You know, I, I read a statistic that if one spouse comes from a divorced home, the rate of divorce for her, that person's marriage is 50%. If both come from a divorced home, 
that rate triples. So the idea that Ralph Johnson, who comes from a broken home, and Tracy, who comes from a broken home, are standing here for 30, day, 30 years, we have broken the statistic. And I'm here to tell you, yeah, come on, man. I'm here to tell you that through God and with God, doing it God's way, come on, somebody, doing it God's way actually works. And you don't have to worry about being a statistic. You know, so when we create a playbook for marriage, it's based on God's idea. See, you can't create a playbook based on what you think. Your playbook has to be based on God saying these two will come together and stay together to death through them part. They're going to cleave together, and that cleaving together is going to represent me so well that that child would want to cleave to someone else. And when I think about a playbook, a playbook is written to win. It's a strategy to win. I call it a vision, which is a preferred future. And you know Habakkuk 2.2 says this, and Habakkuk was struggling with the same thing. He had questions about, about uh, his situation. He had questions about injustice, and he had questions about the Babylonians coming to, uh, to, to actually uh, punish the Israelites. And he was like, you know what, God, I got a complaint. I'm going to climb up my tower, and we're going to bring the scripture up. I'm going to climb up my tower, I'm going to stand my post, and I'm going to look out to see what you will say according to my complaint. And when I think about marriage in a playbook, I want to look out into the future of my marriage and say, God, you know what? I don't know how we're going to get there. In fact, God, I don't know how to cleave to her when she's upset with me. God, I don't know how to do marriage. I don't even understand how to do this thing and how the longevity comes from marriage. But I know with you, God, all things are possible. So when I look down into the end of the time and knowing that I have an eternal God, when I leave her one day, God, would you help me with a vision and a playbook to understand how to do this marriage well, that we will leave a legacy for you. I'll stand here and look out. And God responds to Habakkuk, and I think he's responding to us today. He says, write the vision and make it plain. And you put it on tablets. You, you take your pen and you put it on tablets so when you and your spouse read it, you can run. When conflict comes into your life, you've already developed a playbook to deal with the conflict. Because see, there's things that's going to come at your marriage. There's things like children that come at your marriage. And they say stuff like, well, mommy said, I can. And they go behind your back and they, they get somebody on their side and they, can I get Amen. They do that kind of stuff, and they get you two to start barking at each other. But if you got a playbook and a vision, you say, when, when mommy makes a decision, I talk to daddy, and we come into you, and we come out of that room with a unified front, and whatever we say goes. We say things in our vision like, man, how many kids are we going to have? Like, how are they going to be educated? Who's going to do the disciplining of the kids? What kind of school? Where they go through. So that when we get to that point in our life, we're not trying to figure it out. We've already worked it out with our vision and our playbook. Here's another area that'll kind of rip at your family is extended family. I got somebody like, mm, mm-hmm. Extended family. Man, where are we gonna spend Thanksgiving? Where in the in-laws come? Like, why, why, girl, why you don't keep this house clean like you're supposed to? Look at this dust over here. I hope they don't do that to you. 
You know, but they, they say things that rip at your marriage. But I want to tell you something, guys. If you write it down and realize your marriage is your marriage, you're not trying to recreate their marriage. And you have to set up healthy boundaries for that. Another thing that causes people to get divorced and grow apart is that they're not cleaving together. You know, God tells us to leave and to cleave. That word literally means like crazy glue. We stick together and a husband pursues his wife and, and, and cleaves to her. You know, how can we make our relationship sticky? How can we make our relationship sticky? One of the ways is this. Don't buy into what the world says about your spouse. You know, I used to think that, you know, all I had to do was buy my wife a dozen of roses and she'd be happy. But you know, my wife really isn't crazy about roses. She, she'll accept them, but she likes another type of flower. We ask questions of our spouse so that we can understand them. You know, the world will tell us that diamonds are girls. You know, but maybe you don't like diamonds. <laughs> Ladies like, wait a minute, I don't know about that. But maybe you don't like diamonds. Maybe you like rubies. You know, your wife is your wife. Your husband is your husband. You have that conversation with them. You understand what they're like. You know, my, my wife likes to watch Hallmark movies. I got to watch Christmas almost year round. But her, wow. But her love language, one Hallmark fan, the love language is quality time. So I want to spend time with her. I spend time with her doing things that she wants to do. Paying attention to the things that she likes. And you have to ask these questions of each other. You know, what about talking about growing apart? What about healthy boundaries? Like, how much time do you spend talking to the people from your job? Like, when you get home, can you put the phone down and turn it off? I mean, do you spend time talking to your secretary when you shouldn't? Do you spend a little too much time at the gym helping someone of the other sex out when they doing their push-ups or their sit-ups? Maybe you put yourself in vulnerable situations where your spouse like, you know, I really don't like when you do that. You know, I, I, was, I remember <laughs> this was, yeah, all right, here we go. You know, anybody ever hear of swans? Like the people that come to your house and they deliver the food? Uh, I, I think I was home from deployment and, you know, Tracy had ended up getting the swans guy. You know, he's bringing the food over and he's dropping off whatever the kids like and stuff like that. So he knock on the door and he's like, hey, man, uh, is Trace home? I'm like, bro, who's Trace? And did you just cut my wife's name short and... Gave her like a nickname? I'm like, there's no more Schwann's guy. The Schwann subscription is over. Like, you're not gonna, you're gonna call my wife by her name, bro. Like, you're not gonna make up a nickname for my wife and give her something intimate that does shit. Nah, bro, we ain't gonna do that over here. Can I get an amen? amen? All right, I figured that. I figured that. I went by myself. All right. So these are little areas that you can write down. Like, and I can think of a whole bunch of them. Tracy and I, like, there's just certain things, man, boundaries that we're not going to cross. There's certain things that we're not going to do. And, and when we get to those situations, we can run. We don't get stuck. It's a part of our playbook. It's a part of the plan. Like, we just work it out, and we know what to expect of each other. What is, what's going to happen with your budget? How are you going to spend your money? Who's going to control the money? How much is okay? You know, some of us are terrible with money. And we need somebody to give us an allowance. 
I've had an allowance, like a couple of dudes like, yeah, bro, let me be honest. Yeah, give me an allowance because I just think, you know what I'm saying? And so she's like, yeah, let me just give you a little bit of change so you can. So we don't get stuck. We don't get stuck. Write the vision and make it plain. You see, an agreed upon written vision is our playbook for winning in marriage. An agreed upon written vision is our playbook for marriage. And so once we understand what God's idea is, and once we create our playbook, then we're working on marriage, man. We're not getting stuck. We're looking at the longevity. We're trying to finish well. We got God's idea, and we're looking at it the right way. We want to create, you know, create little Christ bearers, and we want to represent marriage in a healthy way so they would want to get married one day, and we're working on this. But I'm here to tell you, there's three plays Three plays you can run in your marriage every day to increase your winning percentage. Anybody want to win? Anybody want to win in marriage, man? Come on now. I've been taking L's. So I took L's for years. I'm all about winning. You know, the first play, and they all start with a P, so they're easy to remember. In fact, we're going to say this together. Everybody say, every day, run the play. Every day, run the play. The first play we get from James 5, 16, it says this, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. You know, the first play that we want to run every day is prayer. We want to openly confess our worries, our wrongs, our, our rights, everything, to our wife, in fact, uh, and, our, and our husband, our spouse. In fact, in our series week two, uh, Pastor Scott said it this way. He said, prayer should be our steering wheel and not our spare tire. You know, but for many of us, we're intimidated by prayer because he's a little more spiritual. And she, and mostly, it's the wife. She's a little more spiritual. And most of you thinking right now, like, bro, I am not praying with her because you think prayer is something like this. Oh, majestic father. I beseech your throne right now that my wife and I may experience the power of your presence in this day and hour. That's not prayer, guys. <laughs> That's not prayer. Here's prayer. Babe, how you doing? I see you seem a little downcast today. What's on your heart? Man, is that is that, that doctor's appointment you got coming on, you know, is that kind of bothering you? I mean, you know what the kids acting up in school? Man, can I pray for you about that? Or maybe she's like, honey, you know what? I, I know you're going through a lot on your job right now. It's up and down. Man, before you walk out the door, can I just lay hands on you? Can I just speak life to you? You know, when we confess our faults one another, it creates this vulnerability and this open heart because prayer increases proximity. Prayer increases proximity. And proximity brings intimacy. And intimacy means to see into me. And the problem with many marriages, is we're not seeing into each other. We're passing each other in the night. We don't know what's going on in the heart or anything like that. And see, spiritual intimacy increases physical intimacy. And all the men say, bow, chicka, bow, bow. But we don't want the spiritual intimacy first. And our spouses need spiritual intimacy. And I'm going to be honest with you, I share everything with my wife. 
Because it was for a long time. I didn't tell her. I was like, no, she can't handle this. She can't do Let me tell you something. You want real accountability? Tell your wife what's going on. She will hold you accountable. She will make sure that whatever you said, you're going to do and you're going to hold up your end of the deal. I got a couple of guys right now, I'll be honest with you, that their wife is holding them accountable to some areas of their life. And they're doing a great job. And it's changing their marriage because they're being vulnerable and they're being open. Do you remember in the garden that after sin, they covered themselves? They lacked intimacy. And we're trying to restore that openness that we had in the garden. So the first play we want to run is the play of prayer. The second play we want to run, we get from Hebrews 13, 4. It says, let marriage be held in honor among all. Everybody say all. Let marriage be held in honor above all, among all. And let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. God will judge the sexually immoral. Now, singles, this is sexually immoral. Is when you have a relationship with God, the Bible also calls that fornication. When you have a relationship with God and you're having sex outside of the context or the marriage bed that God has designed for that activity to take place in, the Bible calls that sexual immorality. And adultery is simply that. It's like you're having sex outside of marriage. You see, the marriage bed is to be undefiled and marriage is to be honored among all. I remember when I was in the military and, and a dignitary and a high-ranking officer would walk in. We all would stand straight up and give respect to that person as they walked in. That's what marriage should look like. Man, when we walk in as a couple and we've done some things for many years, man, people ought to be like, man, hashtag goals. I want some of that in my life. And so we're going to honor some marriages so y'all going to get crazy right quick. Can y'all get crazy for me right quick? Let's start getting crazy. We got Aaron, George, and Esther Stolfo. They've been married 58 years. Over at Carrollwood, we got Joe and Miriam Diaz, 50 years, half a century. Come on now. We got Greg and Glenna Mayer at Atlanta Lakes, 49 years. Let's go, man. Let's honor marriage. We honor marriage at Grace Family Church. Because we want to see people win. But you know, the marriage bed is to be undefiled. And I remember singles, this, is, this was for you a little bit. I, I remember reading when I was studying for the message, you know, in the first century, they, they wrote about a girl who said her marriage bed had not even been sat on. She wouldn't allow anybody even near her marriage bed until she was entered into a covenant of marriage. You see, the marriage bed is a place of exclusivity. Exclusivity. I did it. Exclusivity. It's exclusive. It's for you and your spouse. And we talk about love all here around here all the time. I mean, we got agape love. That's the love of Jesus Christ where he died on the cross for our unconditional sins. And we experience the grace and mercy of God. Come on, somebody. And God is so good with that. And we share that with each other. So when you offend me, I can forgive you because I've been forgiven by Jesus Christ. That's agape love. 
And then we got phileo. That's that brotherly love. That's like, yo, that's my guy. That's courageous kind of love. Like, that's my brother. You're not heavy. I'm here for you. We're going to walk this out. We're gonna, we're gonna, I'm going to be there for you. That's phileo love. I can give that. I can lay that out to everybody. But you know there's one love that's only for your spouse. It's called eros. And it's the romantic kind of love. It's the Luther Vandross kind of love. It's the Marvin Gaye, let's get it on kind of love. It's the love of Eros. And you know, one of the things about Eros is this, guys. You know, we can hand out agape and we can throw around phileo, but your Eros needs to be aimed at your spouse. We need to aim our Eros at our spouse. We shouldn't be aiming it all over the place and trying to find romances in places that it shouldn't be because we're defiling our marriage bed. You know, singles in 1 Timothy uh, 4.12, it says this, don't let anyone look down on you because of your youth. You know, for many of us, we're like, man, I'm not married yet. I can do what I want to do. I can express myself sexually. I, don't have, I can wear what I want to wear. And No, the Bible doesn't teach that. It says be an example to all believers in what you say, the way you live, in your love, in your faith, and your purity. And that word purity comes from the root word that means holy. It means that you're set aside. And you know, you, if, you, if you walk in preparation, you don't have to react when situations happen to you. See, you prepare so that you don't have to react. Because singers, I can tell you this, guys, and I've blown it myself, but I can tell you the greatest gift you can give on a, is two things that you can give on your marriage night. It's not a nice car. It's not a nice home. It's not a big bank account. All them things that we work for, oh, I'm getting ready for marriage, and I'm going to work it out, and, 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 and one day, Pastor Brown, I'm, you know what the two things you can give on your marriage, to your marriage, that'll change everything? A fervent relationship with Jesus Christ and the gift of purity that God has given to you. And when you give that to your spouse on your marriage night, it is the greatest gift that you can give to anyone. And I understand, we live in a culture, guys, I've counseled people who've been living together, but when they understand this concept, they say, you know what, you sleep on the couch and I sleep in the room now. I know we can't move out, but Pastor Rob, we're going we're gonna to walk this thing out into our marriage night. I'm doing a marriage the end of this month of a young man who made that commitment three and a half years ago, and his marriage bed will not be defiled. And it's going to be a beautiful thing when they come together on that night because he's given his wife something that he hadn't spread out to everyone else. Because purity increases passion. And God can restore, and I'm a witness because I did it before I was married. God is a witness that God can, by the blood of Jesus Christ, I'm a witness. The blood of Jesus Christ will wash you. He will cleanse you. He will restore you. He will renew you. He will cleanse your heart. He will cleanse your mind. And I'm a witness that he will restore your marriage bed even if you've blown it in the past. God can do it, man. If you trust him and his ways. The first play we're going to run is prayer. Second play, play we're going to run is purity. And here's the third play, guys. We find it in Ephesians 5.21. It says, in further, submit to one another out of reverence. For Christ, we submit out of reverence for Christ. And as the scriptures say, here comes that scripture for, that God wrote in Genesis. 
As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two become one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration. Everybody say, it's an illustration. It's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. You know, the third P that we, the third play we got to run every day is the play of posture. Because posture paints the picture. It paints a picture of Jesus Christ. And if I'm not submitted and surrendered to Jesus Christ, I can never submit and serve my spouse. I mean, if my knees are not bowed every single day and surrendered to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and if he doesn't fill me with his Holy Spirit, I will never be able to turn to my spouse and serve, encourage, and submit to her. And the problem is we're trying to do this out of our own strength, and we can't do it out of our own strength. We need to be surrendered to Jesus Christ. And I thought about this today. I was like, man, what if marriage ain't even about us? What if marriage has nothing to do with us and everything to do with him? What if God created two people, brought them together to honor him for eternity and create little Christ bearers? What if he gave us the ability to write out a plan so that we will cleave together and that we'll be able to navigate all the rough areas of life? What if our prayer, what if our purity, what if our posture has nothing to do with us? What if the picture of our marriage, and we throw this picture up, what if the picture of our marriage has nothing to do with us but everything to do with him? Because when people People see us we want them to see the cross we want them to see Jesus Christ the one that was crucified for them the one that will draw them near no matter if they're single no matter if they're hurting no matter if they're divorced no matter if they're married one day we're going to leave here and all we care and all we hope for that you'll see the cross man that you'll see the one that died for you who'll bring you near who'll renew you and restore you what if it never was about us? You know, guys, I'm going to tell you what. I realized about 20 years ago the power of the cross. And if my life was never surrendered to Christ, I wouldn't be even, I would be ashamed to stand up here and tell you about marriage. But when I bowed my knee to Jesus, he restored things. He cleaned me up. He set me right. He put me on the right track. He changed my life. He changed my family. He changed the way that I see things. And so it all starts with surrender. So if you would bow your heads right now, everybody, man, online, all over this room, at every campus, let's pray right quick. God, I just thank you, God, for everyone on the sound of my voice. I pray, Father, for marriages that are broken. I pray for those who are broken by those who made bad choices. In marriages, God, I pray that you would change the way that we see marriage today through this message, that we'll be able to develop a playbook and an understanding based on your idea. God, marriage is your idea. And help us to understand that, God. But today, guys, if you're watching online at this campus, at all of our campuses, you're saying, Ralph, man, I, I, I need to surrender my life. I need that change that you were talking about. I want you to just lift your hand right now. I'm the only one looking around. Just lift your hand up in there. You're saying, Ralph, I need a change. I need to be renewed. I need to surrender my life. I want to know this God that you're talking about. 
So would you just keep your hands up? I'm going to pray, and we're going to pray as a family, guys. Everybody, let's pray right now together. Everybody, repeat this after me. Say, Father God, I thank you for the cross. I ask you to forgive my sins, to come into my heart, to change me, to renew me, to restore me, to help me to see life through your lens. Forgive my sins. Today's a new day. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, guys, let's give it up right now. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Let's get excited about those who made a decision to follow after God. You know, if you made that decision today at our campuses online, we want you to text the word yes to 81313. Text the word yes to 81313. We got some next steps for you. We want to come alongside you and help you celebrate that decision you made today. But you know what, guys? We, Tracy and I, we were celebrating last month, and we went on a cruise. And we went on a cruise. It was seven days, and we entered into all these ports, and uh, it, it was magnificent, guys. It was really a good time because we were together. And we went to the West Indies, and we went to Antigua. We went to St. Thomas, St. Kitts, and this is a video of it right here. And as we were going into each port, I had an opportunity to stand out, and I, and I took a video of this small ship that was pulling next to this huge ship. And if you don't know what that is, that's actually a pilot boat. And what a pilot boat does is it comes alongside you, and the pilot actually takes over the navigation of the huge ship. Because the person that's the pilot knows that area better than anyone else. He knows how to get you into that area very safely and how to get you to experience something you've never experienced before in your life. And I realized that our marriages are a lot like a cruise ship. It's a journey. And many times we're going into areas we've never been into before. And I created this acronym, GPS, and when we invite pilots onto our marriage and into our lives, you know, the G stands for groups. Man, get in a group. Get in accountability. Get around some people that love marriage. Read books on marriage. Become a student of marriage. Because groups help us and hold us accountable to God's standard for marriage. We got professionals, man. What about life coaches? Tracy and I have a life coach, Bill Morris. I am, man, amazing. Changed our marriage. Changed our perspective. What about therapists and counselors? Been there. Man, invite them into your marriage. GPS, last one is scripture. Get a word from God about your role in marriage. Man, if you're single and you're planning on getting married, I don't care if you're a teenager, start to read about what a husband's supposed to do. Start getting an understanding, or a wife. Like, what, how, what is a wife supposed to do in a marriage? Because I realize this as if, 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 if our life is, if our marriage is like a cruise ship and we can invite pilots on, we have a choice. We can also allow pirates on. And pirates come to steal, kill, and destroy. They come to pillage and rob your marriage of its treasure. So couples, we got a choice today. It could be pilots or pirates. Their choice is ours. We're going to turn it over to our campuses.
Thank you for listening to the Grace Family Church Podcast. For more info, check out gfcflorida.com or connect with us by texting the word CONNECT to 81313. We look forward to meeting you at one of our locations soon.